Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Ninja Turtle Power Hour. I'm Spencer Toon. I'm Keith McGuffey. And I'm Mike Templeton. And we're covering the 87 series again this week. We're kicking off season me, six. I'm doing finger guns. Kicking off season six, guys. Ironic Look, finger more guns. excitement. More excitement, Spencer. Come on. Ironic finger guns. Yeah, okay. I guess that's the best <laughs> yet. Uh, yeah, we have made it finally into season six where it, it's, it's the home stretch for 87 now. We're getting there. Yeah. See, that, see the light at the end of the tunnel. Yeah, we're we're getting close, especially because this season's only sixteen episodes, and so and then there's seventeen, which is a little longer, but then they're all super short seasons after that. So, yeah, because yeah, we get into Red Sky after that. Mm-hmm. Like, we're we're so close to Red Sky, and I'm like, those seasons I know for sure I never watched. Yeah, I haven't seen, and I mean, I definitely haven't seen anything we're watching right now either. So. <laughs> <laughs> But man, yeah, right. so there's we're actually doing, one of these episodes I didn't think was too bad. Anyway. Yeah, we're doing episodes one, two, and three of season six. Rock Around the Block, Krangenstein Lives, and Super Irma. And like I said, one of these, <laughs> I won't bury the lead, but one of them I actually had some fun watching. All right. Well, why don't you tell us the story? Perhaps I can best explain. The story of my young friends and I is really the story of a man named Hamato Yoshi. All right, so this is a season six, episode one, Rock Around the Block, originally aired September 19th, 1992, written by the late, great David Wise. So the Technodrome is still stuck in the Arctic tundra, but Krang hears a news broadcast about a super laser being launched into space that can cut the Technodrome free of the ice. While Shredder seeks to hijack the laser, uh, Krang enlists the help of General Trag. He gives Trag a rockalyzer, a ray that can bring minerals to life, and sends him to the city to distract the turtles. Splinter is trying to teach Donatello about woo-wee, the ancient art of doing nothing, when they get a call from April about rock monsters in Central Park. Everyone hit, heads there, but April's van runs into a crater. Luckily, she's saved at the last second by the turtles. They confront Trag, who makes a giant rock monster to fight them. It terrorizes Channel 6 for a while before the turtles can destroy it with construction equipment. Then Trag makes the rubble into a bunch of smaller rock monsters. Uh, Also, in the meantime, Shredder's been able to sneak onto the spaceship and plant a remote control device for Krang. The turtles are able to lure these rock monsters into a rock crushing machine, but they're too late to stop the rocket from taking off. Shredder and Krang use the rocket's laser to cut the Technodrome free from the ice. Donatello isn't able to to do anything to stop the laser from the control center, so he instead encourages everyone to practice woo-wee. So they sit down and do nothing. 
Luckily, Bebop and Rocksteady are arguing over a comic and mess up the laser control. It cuts through the ice into the ocean and the Technodrome falls into the hole, settling at the bottom of the sea. The day is saved. The end. Riveting. Thoughts and prayers save the day. All right. So that gets to my episode. Number two, Krangenstein Lives. Uh, this episode was released on September 19th of 1992 and was written by David Wise. So the turtles are training in their lair, as they do at the beginning of every episode. Well, most of them are, anyway. Mikey is playing video games instead, and it's really bothering everyone. He doesn't really seem to care, though, and keeps slacking on his training. Down in the depths of the ocean, Bebop and Rock City are also playing video games, while Krang is tuning up his body. During the process, Bebop and Rock City accidentally break one of the microchips that go inside it, so they break their video game open and put a chip from it in the previous chip's place. When Krang starts his body back up, it goes haywire and starts shooting at everything. It seems to think or believe or act like it's in a video game. It's counting points and levels and everything else as it's shooting stuff. It heads up to the surface and starts wreaking havoc there. Shredder and crew head after it to get it back. Shredder falls into a pit after stepping out of one of their modules and loses his memory, while Bebop and Rocksteady get tossed far away by Krang's body. Word has reached Channel 6 about the destruction downtown, so April heads out to check it out. She also lets the turtles in on it, and they go to check it out too. They run into Krang's body, but realize something must be up, since it's Krangless. It hands their shells to them and leaves. Shredder is having an existential crisis after losing his memory, but ends up saving a guy that owns a fireworks factory from getting mugged. The factory owner offers him a job being in charge, so Shredder accepts it. After regrouping, the turtles run into Bebop and Rocksteady, defeat them, and learn why the android body is on the fritz. Shredder goes into the fireworks factory and is suddenly inspired to create an explosive, take it to City Hall, and take over the city. Meanwhile, the turtles tussle with the trans-dimensional android body and accidentally set off its size actuator, causing it to periodically grow and shrink. Then it starts saying words from Mikey's video game. And apparently, the info Bebop and Rexity gave them earlier wasn't enough to realize that the game chip was in the body because now it dawns on them that that is the issue. They run into Shredder on the way, but he takes off. Mikey manages to plug his video game into the android body, and now he controls it with his video game. The turtles show up with Krang's body to stop Shredder at City Hall. He falls and knocks his head again and gets his memory back. They take his explosive and chuck it into the android body. It shrinks again and explodes. Bebop and Rocksteady bail Shredder out and take off back to the Technotrome. The end. Not going to lie, I may have zoned out for that because <laughs> that was such a long episode. <laughs> it, yeah, it definitely had a lot of stuff happen. Uh, but next up is the final episode of our David Wise trilogy, Super Irma! Original air date, September 26, 1992. While the Turtles are busy trying to decide what costumes to wear to this year's Channel 6 Halloween party, April and Irma are doing a story on the reverse polarity magnet over at Magnodyne Labs. While at the labs, Irma falls into some goop that the good Professor Chumley describes as harmless. 
Nonetheless, she feels ill and goes straight home to put her costume on. Meanwhile, inside the Technodrome on the Arctic floor, Krang and Shredder watch April's broadcast and decide that the reverse polarity magnet device is just what they need to rule the world. Later that night, Shredder, Bebop, and Rocksteady break into Magnadyne Labs and attempt to steal the professor's invention. As fate would have it, Irma is walking by in her Halloween costume, and as she passes by, Irma is accidentally zapped by the magnet device when Bebop turns it on. When Shredder and company try to take care of Irma, they find themselves being taken care of, as Irma in invertedly displays superpowers. Later on the way home from the party, Irma tries to convince both the turtles and April of, their new of her newfound powers, but nobody believes her until April and Irma separate from the turtles and are confronted by muggers in a dark alley. April and the turtles become believers as they witness Irma's spectacular powers, but Irma is now out of control. She sees herself as the newest crime fighter in town and is determined to right all wrongs in the city. Fortunately, Donatello planted a tracking device on her before she fled in the alley, and they go in pursuit. So our intrepid heroes follow Irma around town all night long, saving herself from herself until the inevitable happens. Irma finds herself trapped inside a transport module with Shredder, Bebop, and Rocksteady in the reverse polarity magnet headed back for the Technodrome. The Turtles learn that Irma's superpowers will wear off in about five minutes. Meanwhile, Krang tests the reverse polarity magnet machine on a battleship and starts doing target practice on a mothball fleet in the harbor by lifting it out of the ocean and flying it across the skiddy skyline. With a flip of the switch, the turtle van becomes a turtle sub, and the turtles race to the Technodrome to rescue Irma and gently put the battleship back down. Donatello then rewires the controls to turn the reverse polarity magnet into a regular magnet, which then pulls down all of the mothball battleships down towards the Technodrome, punching holes into it and causing it to flood. So like, bold, bold wasn't story. doing that a third time. <laughs> <laughs> also, I was just wondering, like, if in the next episode, like, half the Technodrome is going to be flooded, if they're just going to have fixed it, if there's going to be something they're working on repairing from now yeah, on. They got, they got duct tape. They're going to they're gonna duct tape that out. I don't know. We'll see. We'll see how, how much they keep continuity intact. It's that flex. Continuity never hurt them. It's just yeah, there you go. I slapping out that thing full of water with the, the flex steel tape. Yeah. <laughs> and to show you the power of flex tape, I'm going to punch a bunch of holes in this Technodrome. I'm pretty sure they've got it in Dimension X. They probably got something better. You know, that's probably all they're using. It's probably called something stupid, though. Some sort of super polymer. Yeah, like uh, some sort of like polydiametric polymer. Yes, exactly that. Yeah. <laughs> that scene in that commercial for that flex seal where they're like they put the screen door on the bottom of the boat and use flex seal on it and it's it's watertight, you know? Uh-huh. That's not made up. Like I met a guy who worked on that commercial. He's like, "Yeah, they really did that. It takes like 14 layers of flex tape or flex seal to do that, but it does work." <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Huh. Well, Speaking of making junk work, let's get to the second time around. <laughs> what a segue. Nice. Oh my God. Hey, nice junk. Oh. Oh, all right. So rock around the block. Um, it's been a minute since we had seen General Trag. It has. Yeah. It's I, I don't even know when the last episode was, but it feels like it's been forever. Wasn't it like a Zach episode where he was like 
half hologram or something weird. But just was like, it? yeah, like he was a episode. hologram or something. And then like the rock, they like destroyed it. And we were like, what or was that? A, or was that a different episode? I, th- I think we're thinking the same thing. Cause it's just like, it's just like two minutes at the beginning. They bring Trag in and then he's like gone. Really weird. Playmates was just like, you need to show him again. You need to show him again. All right, <laughs> fine. We'll put him in just for a second here. Speaking of toys for you, eagle-eyed uh, NECA collectors, the Rockalizer was packed with Muckman. I okay, so I was like, I knew it had come with a figure, but it's not in my bin of accessories. So I was trying to like remember what figure I don't have that it, that it came with. So yeah, so, it, so the Rockalizer uh, was immortalized in plastic, and it was the gun that came with Muckman that nobody remembered what it was. Yeah, and like. I looked like Muckman has a gun or a hand for that gun, but the gun doesn't fit in Trag's hand. So, yeah. Oof. Yeah, it's weird because like they they scaled up the gun to fit to fit Muckman, but like it's not his gun. Yeah, the 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 gun that controls rocks goes to the rock soldier. Like it's a no brainer. Crank points this out for us. <laughs> That's true. Also, did you notice that the turtle's lair looks way different? I swear, like, it has not normally looked like how it looks at the beginning of this episode. It, it, like, what threw me off, like, there was a, there was a different angle when, like, you know, like, when the, when the title sequence ends and then, like, we punch into the lair and it was, like, a different angle for the sewer drain. It looked like almost an entirely different sewer drain. Yeah. Like, I'm pretty sure it's, like, an entirely just different part of the sewer. Yeah, it just didn't look like their lair for whatever. Yeah, reason. there was and there was like a different angle once we got into the lair. Yeah, no, it, it definitely looked like something like a new room or something. Which is weird because like, wouldn't that be more expensive and more work than just reusing what we've seen a billion times already? Exactly. Maybe someone like spilled their coffee on like the <laughs> on the old, yeah, the old animation background. <laughs> on the it's, old animation it's still background, like, like between oh, crap. the. It's still between the seat and the console of someone's old Pinto. <laughs> they just never found it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I looked it up. Woo wee is not a thing. I, I mean, I figured not. Woo wee. I'm just kidding. I didn't look it up. I just knew it was. <laughs> I thought this show is taking place at night a lot more. Like, I don't know if that's a, a like response to the other shows that are on, but like it used to be like this show was always during the middle of the day. Like the last several episodes have been in the middle of the night. I feel like it alternates every season. Maybe that's it. Yeah. But I don't want to go back and check. (laughs) Speaking of going back and check, I should have really kept track of every time the turtles use construction equipment to fight something. It's like the billionth time. (laughs) It's also, this isn't the first time that Shredder has cited Ninja Law as the reason that he should get to kill the turtles. He did that to Baxter Stockman back in Return, or Son of Return of the Fly 2. Oh, wow. Yeah. I forgot about that. Wow. That is a fun fact. <laughs> I don't know why. <laughs> when someone yells Ninja Law, I just pay attention, you know? <laughs> I mean, I should, honestly. <laughs> yeah, that's all I got. That's all I have, too. Same here. All right. Kragenstein moves. Did Craig's robot always have like a weird like connection port in the butt? Do anybody else knows that? I don't remember it being the butt, but like I rem- you know he had the amplification matrix in the in his shoulder last time. 
Yeah, but now he's got like it's like a silver like port in his butt. I don't know. I I need to look at his butt again. I guess. Yeah. <laughs> right in the middle of the diaper region, you know. Which I did not check my uh, NECA figure for that. I guess I could go get him out of the out of the cabinet, but see if yeah. see if it's on the Funko Pop. That's all I have. <laughs> and then we also get to see Krang's body get revived Frankenstein style again, which I've never understood, but you know, whatever. I was I was honestly surprised. Like, I mean, I wasn't honestly surprised because again, continuity, never heard of him. Um, but they like we know Krang's body has the apple amplification matrix like he used that in shredder splintered um and it was kind of cool to see him use that again but krang doesn't call it that well i think the amplification circuit got destroyed in that episode didn't it It did and yeah. so he has another one now though because hmm. that's one of that's one of the systems that he's testing so i just thought it, i just thought it was like i wanted it to be continuity because i was like oh they bring, they brought that back but then it like he doesn't call it that <laughs> Which again is a minor gripe in this show. <laughs> like, yeah. Speaking of that. weird continuity things, so Shredder's like the transport module comes up, Shredder and the the mutants get off of it, and Shredder just falls into a crater in the yep. middle of the street. But in the last episode, there was a crater in the middle of the street too, and so I think maybe this version of New York just has craters in the middle of the street. Well, they never fill them in from all the other stuff. So right like there's always robot dinosaurs running around and giant you know frost monsters and why why even try exactly the, the city budget why can't handle it. um in this episode vernon interviews shredder and he asks if the mets will win the pennant this year uh the mets do not win the pennant uh the blue jays <laughs> win the pennant in 1992 the mets actually finished 24 games behind uh in their division in their uh is it division in baseball? I can't remember. But they're nowhere near the World Series. They're like second to last. <laughs> I mean, I guess that's confirmation that the Mets exist in this universe and that also Vernon is the fan of them. There we go. I can't remember. Did Shredder say anything about it? I think you know, Shredder's to, a fan of the Mets. I think it cuts to some stupid rock. Shredder would be a Yankees fan, I think. Or no, this is Krangenstein. It's, it's Shreds, it switches back to the Krangenstein plot, I think. You have to pick like the most villainous team. Like, isn't Chicago known for having like a lot of guys that like cheat and stuff? Wouldn't wouldn't he technically probably be a? It's no, it'd be the Yankees. You sure he wouldn't be a Cubs fan? Like, I feel nope, like that's kind of White Sox. White Sox fan. Nah, Shutter be Shutter would be a Yankees fan. I I don't know. I, I'm not. I mean, I don't really care that much about baseball. Maybe I'm well, just used to growing up watching movies where like the Yankees are always the heroes. Yeah, and so the they Cubs have to are make movies the where they have to make movies where the Yankees are heroes because the Yankees are bad guys in real life. <laughs> it's propaganda. I guess I I don't know. I've never. Well, I don't see them. movies about the Dodgers. Everyone knows they're the good guys. There are angels in in the outfield. Well, there's angels. I know. I almost said angels in the outfield, or I almost said nobody picked on the angels, but the angels have angels in the outfield. Well, all right. Uh, moving on to the third episode, then. <laughs> Super Irma! Super Irma! Uh, so, when they go to the costume party, April is in the princess outfit she wore in that Princess and the Popper episode, April Fool. Clear back in like, like, season I thought, three. I, oh, yeah. I thought it looked familiar. 
Um, this also isn't the first time the turtles have gone to a Halloween costume as the turtles. It's also the plot of a short story, Don't Judge a Book. Yes, it's included in Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles and Other Strangeness, but has been reprinted in Volume 6 of the Ultimate Collection. Yeah. And a few other places probably, too. It's around. We also get a, someone dressed up as a Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle aardvark which might be a Cerebus reference, might be a coincidence. Yeah, so it could be. Uh, but I was kind of thinking that, like, maybe, because because based on, like, what happens, because, uh, spoiler alert, the Teenage Mutant Ninja aardvark it is burn in disguise for the, for the Halloween party. And when he goes up on stage to win the award, all the turtles are like disgusted and like calling him a copycat and everything. And that kind of reminded me of like the other parody books at the time, which like when I was at my comic book store last night buying uh last Ronin, uh, I was flipping through the back issues and I found an issue of adolescent black belt hamsters. And I was explaining it to the kid there. Uh, Cause he had asked, he had asked about it, like why it was in the turtle section. And I told him like, Oh, like, you know, back then, there was like a bunch of like copycats because the you know turtles premiered at that convention and you know there was only 5000 issues but you have like other independent artists who were there and like saw how hot turtles were so they did their own like you know they they basically ripped off the idea but then like published it at a convention in another part of the country hoping that they got ahead of turtles before like it kind of got everywhere and so that's how you kind of got a lot of these copycats and, and Peter and Kevin have talked about it before about how they've had to deal with all of these copycats mm-hmm. and that like t- that ate up so much time, uh, which is part of why they're kind of all over the place themselves on volume one, because they were always like dealing with lawyers and along with all the merchandising and stuff. Well, they didn't really seem to care that much about people coming out with something like radioactive black belt hamsters. They thought it was kind of funny. Well, some of uh, it, but some of it until until too, they were like <laughs> they got the lawyers involved with people claiming that like they had the original idea. Yes, no, like that, that's that's when there was problems is when people started trying to sue Turtle, saying that they came up with the idea originally or whatever else. Yeah, and so I part of me just thought that this might be a reference to that because like I didn't like my mind didn't even go to Cerberus. Yeah. It also, I mean, so this is 92, so Mumu Mesa has debuted, the Cowboys of Mumu Mesa. It's just, uh, just Moo Mesa, just one Moo. Is it just Moo? Oh, is it just one Moo? Yeah, Cowboys Moo of Moo Mesa. Oh, okay. Um, which I thought was kind of funny because in this issue, or this issue, um, in this uh, episode, Rock City is reading a comic book, him and Bebop are reading a comic book, and uh, they have, there's was it this one or like one of the it's one of these three episodes where they're reading a comic book and it's uh captain cow hmm. but like uh, it looks a, yeah. it looks a lot like moo montana from cowboys and moo mesa so yeah so that I mean, show was made by ryan brown who's a tmnt artist yeah huh. like it was it was his thing which yeah. was really cool and that's kind of like why the toy line fit with turtles but it actually wasn't a playmates line which threw me off and why there was that weird crossover with them in the second volume of Tales of the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Yep. And why they appeared in the 2003 show. Yeah. 
Mm-hmm. During festival, all of that, that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, all of that. <laughs> so then the next year, biker mice from Mars would show up in '93, and then in '94, street sharks would happen. Street see, like none of those were none of those were like direct ripoffs. Those were all like, you know, I mean, Moo Mesa was its own thing. Like there was no mutants in there. Like that was yeah. the world of cow people. Yeah, um, and then all of those other ones, like biker mice from Mars. That's it. They're from Mars. Um, but then you start getting into like the derivatives, like street sharks or mutated humans. Mm-hmm. Um, and all of that's kind of just riffing on the turtles in a way. But like at that point, like turtle mania was already starting to die down too. So to jump in that late is kind of like, uh. yeah. yeah, SWAT cats would also appear in 93. It just seems like there was like a lot of like anthropomorphic crime fighting going on at the time, I guess. Oh, yeah. was my big SWAT story. cats also had Barry Gordon. It did. Barry Gordon was um T-Bone was the big one. Yeah, he was the other one. I don't I don't ever remember their names. It's T-Bone and oh god, I can't remember the other one now. I promise I like SWAT cats. <laughs> uh let's see, what else do we have? Um Super Irma was in that Mutant Madness mobile game. She there was one of my mains. Yeah. Yeah, well, you got her like right at the beginning, so it was kind of impossible for her not to be good because <laughs> yeah. you you know you keep getting stuff for it. Upgrade her. I also think she had one of those like splash attacks, didn't she? Yeah, I think uh, she like had like Goku's spirit bomb. Yeah, she flew for some reason though. She doesn't do that in the cartoon, which that threw me off because like the game, yeah, because in the game she flies, but yeah, she's like full superhero, but in here she's just running around. Lifting stuff with magnetic abilities. Yeah. And or super strength? Or was it all magnets? I kind of apparently it was all magnets, which I don't like, but that's a that's a different section. All right. Well, are we ready to move on to that section? Uh no, I, hang on. So this is the first sign okay. that the turtle van appears in submarine mode. Will it ever do it again? I don't think so. <laughs> I don't think so either. I think it's the first and only time. Uh, this is the second time that Shredder uses a sword in combat only for it to break immediately. <laughs> I had a nickel. Yeah. Right. <laughs> I'd, have to, I'd have two nickels. <laughs> Isn't a lot, but it's weird that it happened twice. What's well, the same with the Krang Frankenstein thing? Like if I had a nickel. Yeah. For every time they brought it back to life, like Frankenstein style, which is it ever living? I, I don't know. I what I don't. I don't know what's going on with that android body. Like what exactly if it's, if it's partially human, if it's not, it doesn't seem like it is, but maybe it is because they got to like Frankenstein it to quote unquote life. I don't know. Controlled life. It's also a robot. I I don't know. So speaking of controlling, uh, this is the first time that we actually see that the eye on the Technodrome has a control room, like separate from the main room that we always see in the Technodrome. Oh, yeah. Like a lot of this action specifically takes place in there. So it's kind of like, huh. Like, and then I guess it kind of makes sense that like they were running away from that. They were just running back into the like the bowels of the Technodrome. But like the turtles, when they go in their submarine, they don't go to like, they, they like fly to the middle of the submarine or the fly to the middle of the Technodrome. And then, like, go up from there. 
Yeah, I mean. Uh, and also, this is the third and final time that Irma will visit the Technodrome. She never gets to go back. Never again. Or the other two. There was Dimension X story. And uh, foot soldiers are revolting. Oh, yeah, because like everybody got transported there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> and then one of the costumes that Leonardo holds up to suggest for the Halloween party is uh, a sequined white jumpsuit. From those aliens that captured Burn. But also they how everyone says they uh everyone's doing that nowadays. Uh that is a reference to I don't know, I was gonna make a joke, but it's 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 an Elvis reference. Now like everybody was like because Elvis had been dead for a while at this point. Um, but there's always people who are like, oh, Elvis is alive. Yeah. All right. So that is. All right, then. Let's talk about anchovies. No anchovies. You put anchovies on this thing and you're in big trouble, okay? I can't let you know. Man, rock around the block. It's 20 minutes into this episode before they realize that Krang and Treader are doing anything. Yeah, the whole time fighting Trag at the very end, they're like, "Oh right, uh, Craig and Shredder." Yeah, well, not <laughs> to it's mention, like, it's uh, just it's just weird because you don't get Trag without Krang and Shredder. So it's like they yeah. they never question like why why Trag is there by himself. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Also, just the whole woo wee thing was just like such bullcrap. Like, <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, yeah, yeah like it's yeah. it's dumb. It's a dumb name. I don't like that. Splinter calls it an oriental thing because that's also very racist. <laughs> yeah, well, it's it's not even just that. Like, it's just the fact that, like, at the very beginning, Donatello is just striking Leonardo's sword, and Leonardo's just standing there holding his sword up, and he's just like, "Fight back, fight back!" And he's like, "Okay." And then suddenly, Donatello just goes flying. Yeah, and, and it just makes like I don't know, it makes Donatello look super, you know, like just completely incompetent. You know, and it's like, oh man, he's doing this woo wee thing, and they're like, oh, we got to try using woo wee, and they just sit there and meditate, and everything just fixes itself. Like it's, it's just so much bullcrap. <laughs> like there, there's an, and it's like, I don't know, this whole thing of like, the problem will solve itself. I don't know. It. They also try to use like the mountain and the river saying, but that's like a thing for perseverance and like, I don't know, like going with the flow, like letting. Like there's an episode that's much better at illustrating this concept in the 2003 series during the fast forward season than this episode does it uh, where you kind of, you know, let like the enemy, you know, defeat themselves in a way, you know, or like wear themselves out so that you can beat them or, but like this like keeps playing it. Like it's almost trying to like say something deeper the whole time, but then it just never does. They just kind of sit down and meditate and, and a thing happens like even as far as like a, a like a little dumb lesson that gets taught in the episode that was a terrible job of doing that well yeah because like in reality take trag out of this episode and like the turtles don't even need to be there like yeah <laughs> it's an episode where just like they steal a rocket it it messes up because of bebop and rocksteady and they fall into the ocean like the turtles were they they were none the wiser they didn't need to be you know they just manifested you know shredder and crane yeah uh falling i guess failing it was just i don't know it was really stupid yeah. i didn't like it 
Well, then Krang's like, I'm. We're completely defeated. You know, we're at the bottom of the ocean now. But like, you still have a a, a laser in in space that can cut through rock. That's radio controlled. Use that to terrorize the city. Yeah. Well, and on top of the tech control being underwater, does it not work underwater? Like, can this thing not just start rolling until it gets somewhere? That and... seems to be the case, at least, because it's it doesn't seem like it's like stuck like it has been in other places. It's, it's just inoperable or something. I don't know. Yeah, I don't. I could have sworn there was an episode where they were underwater and like they were fixing something at one point. I can't remember if the Technodrome was there or not. But anyway, I just I don't know. I have problems with it just being stuck underwater like this thing has been everywhere. And you're telling me that the second it goes underwater, even though it seems to be watertight and everything else, it can't it can't drive or move underwater at all. Like, I, I don't know. It just. There's something about it that just bothers me. It does. It, I just feel like it's a really dumb way for it to be stuck. Is just for it to be underwater. <laughs> it also looks like something that would be buoyant. Like you know how like a battleship is made out of steel, but it's still buoyant because yeah, it's like so a much giant it. steel ball filled with air. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. I don't know. Whatever. You know what I, just thinking about it. Uh, remember, like way back in season one, when the tech, when Donatello reverses the polarity of the. Um, of the portal and the technodrome like collapses in on itself. Yeah. I just thought that was, you know, the tech, the technodrome is like pretty malleable. (laughs) (laughs) It's a pretty terrible super weapon. I'm going to be honest. Well, and again, they only use it to literally crush their enemies. Yeah. Maybe it's (laughs) the best super weapon because it can't be destroyed. They just have to keep relocating it. Yeah. (laughs) But you can't ever get it to where it needs to be. It's both indestructible and inoperable. Yeah, it takes 10 seasons to get where it needs to be. But when it gets there, it's... (laughs) Hold on to your hats. Hold on to your butts. I don't understand why they didn't just use rock soldiers in this episode. It's it's so weird, like, because sometimes they have... Sometimes they have the resources, but, like... We've seen that the foot soldiers are still like in Dimension X, uh, like because the last time we saw the neutrinos, they were still fighting the rock soldiers. So like maybe the war, maybe the war with the neutrinos is still going on, and so like only General Trag is available. But even then, it's like he's a general. Why is he leaving the battlefield? Right. Bring back my man Granitor. That's all I'm asking. I can't believe he only showed up for like those first couple episodes Hmm. then never again because i'm gonna be real here granitor is the better design of the two oh yeah he's much cooler i i dig the gray over the brown and the pointy nose i think with like every duo there's one that's designed way better than the other one like i think bebop looks way cooler than rocksteady toko looks cooler than razor uh Ground Chuck was looks crazy compared to the kind of bland dirt bag, you know. Yeah, yeah. So Blood I say, like, cooler. I always like I, I like Ground Chuck more, like Bebop more. Uh, I was doing some research. I was just not research. I was bored and I was looking at rhinoceroses on Wikipedia. Uh, okay. And uh, the difference between a black rhinoceri and a white rhinoceri, uh, one is the size, and two like the white rhinoceros is like the one you think of like the big one mm-hmm. and black black rhinoceroses are a little bit smaller um 
but very specifically black rhinoceroses have like more of a beak like upper lip like where it's pointed mm-hmm. and the white rhinoceros rhinoceroses have a flat one like a square shaped one upper lip and mm-hmm. then i was just looking at like designs for rocksteady over the years and it's like the 87 rocksteady has a pointed upper lip and he's smaller he's like he's consistently smaller than bebop mm-hmm. but then you get to other versions like um out of the shadows idw um mutants in manhattan like they're all bigger and they all have the square upper lip hmm. i don't know Curious. if it's a conscious decision by any of the designers or artists but i just thought that was i just i noticed it and so i was like oh that's kind of interesting yeah it is it's like the way like Santa Loco draws him. It's a very square upper lip. That's pretty neat. Well, I'm good on this episode now. I don't have anything else to say. Uh, me as well. Krangstein yeah. lives. Um, it's it, it's funny that like the crane droid has a voice like modulator, but it doesn't but it's never used it other than like grunting in the original uh, season. Uh And then like, we never hear it say anything until like this chip gets put in. And then all of a sudden it just starts quoting lines from the game. Yeah. Which is really weird in like, cause like the, the game, like it's just a voice chip, but then one also fits exactly into the spot. Like, (laughs) that it yeah. needs to yeah, yeah. some some 80s computer logic um but then also uh when he plugs and plays it like it controls the crane droid too like it's just a voice chip it's just where the sound is stored yeah no i so, i definitely I, I just let it ride at this point like that <laughs> well, <laughs> those well, are those things where i was like this is par for course for this series it implies that the crane droid is sentient and was just looking for an opportunity to go wild. There you go. That's how I'm going to look at it. So, yeah. Guys, did we really have time for a shredder amnesia side plot? I, I mean, how many times have we already <laughs> gotten completely, that side plot? I completely forgot that that was the side plot until you said it again. It's just, uh, it's peak David Wise, right? Like, there's just, there's always one more plot than there needs to be. <laughs> yeah. Like, like, and then we'll have uh, this character lose their memory. I feel like that's kind of like, that was like one of the things on the wheel that they span before they wrote an episode. <laughs> yeah. It was just like memory <laughs> loss. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. This episode we'll use memory loss again. Here we go. All right. <laughs> uh but uh let's see uh super explosive yeah put that in there you know <laughs> so many memory loss plots like I, I it's one of those things where you know how people sit and talk about like i, th- I really thought quicksand was going to be a much bigger problem you know when, like when i was a kid and like for me it's not one of those things where, like i really thought that getting amnesia was going to be a much bigger problem when i was a kid <laughs> yeah. yeah exactly <laughs> just any minor hit in the head <laughs> characters have lost their memory it's the plot of so many episodes of so many cartoons and especially in this cartoon it's it's really funny because like yeah when you when you're a kid when you're a child of the 80s you really do think you're gonna get amnesia like with any bonk on the head yeah like you're gonna get amnesia and you're gonna fall in quicksand and sink and die (laughs) 
I'm still scared of quicksand, and I know it's not like how it is in the cartoons. Yeah, no, I've sat in it and let myself kind of like wiggle down into it. It's fun. Oh my uh, god, you're a <laughs> you're a monster. I can't believe you did that. <laughs> then there's a can like like it wasn't even like super loose kind. It's the kind that you really had to like work your way to get yourself down into. So I know just like because I was backpacking uh, down in southern Utah, and uh, just had to take off your my, my boots and socks and shoes, and I had a towel with me. You just kind of play in it, sink down in the sand. I was a teenager. It's not too bad. That risks not only you, but everyone who has to pull you out and get stuck in it as well. Like I said, it wasn't super <laughs> loose quicksand. I don't know. I've heard that that, that 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 kind of quicksand doesn't necessarily even exist, but it might. I don't know. Yeah. Hmm. I remember though watching like an ep- like there was even like a, a DVD of Bill Nye where they like taught you what to do if you fell in quicksand, and it's like, oh yeah, like you know, just hold still. And like, kind of like, you know, try to float on your back kind of thing. And I remember like, you know, taking a mental note in my brain, like, now I know what to do. (laughs) (laughs) Or when you inevitably run into quicksand. Or when I inevitably run into quicksand. Yeah. Uh, The closest I've run into is quicksand that I've intentionally sunk in that wasn't all that loose or, or crazy to get stuck in. I really thought like, after every time it rained, like I shouldn't go near like wet patches of earth in my backyard yeah anyway also i just have a problem with the turtles in this episode being stupid uh like bebop and rock city pretty much tell them like although they say like i definitely didn't put my cube chip inside the android and everything else like i literally thought that was it kaput done they knew what the problem was and then like the episode goes on and uh, it starts saying stuff from Michelangelo's video game. And they're like, oh, that's what Bebop and Rocksteady were babbling about. And I'm like, how how is it not obvious before this point? Anyway. Yeah. It was one of those things where I was like, you guys didn't already know? I thought that you already got this information. Yeah. But yeah, no, the whole Shredder B plot as well. Just ridiculous. Uh, this is the final episode where Shredder takes off his mask. But that it's was also like, he's a handsome guy. That was one of the funniest bits, though. <laughs> when he just takes off his mask and he's like, "Why like, am I wearing this mask? Oh, it matches everything else I'm wearing." <laughs> I guess <laughs> I'll just put it back on. <laughs> Gone. Goodness, 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 goodness. Alrighty, we ready for Super Irma? Yep. Or as she says it every time, Super Irma. Super Irma. Which is my big anchovy. <laughs> no, I love that. I didn't mind it that much in this episode. I don't know. It was kind of fun. I didn't understand how some, like, it, it didn't make sense because he called it an anti-magnet. But then, like, it just did magnet things. Like, when he's originally yes. showing it off, when he's originally showing it off for the news report, like, you're like, this is my anti-magnet polarity machine. Well, yeah, like, suppose and then it just And then it just picks up an anvil, and it's like a regular magnet, magnet can do that. Yeah, well, it's, what it's what they say later on is that it repels metal, right? Which I mean, still doesn't make sense. Uh, first like, and foremost, because like an electromagnet can do that. Yeah, well, I mean, it doesn't make things levitate though. That's like comic book magnetism well, stuff right. going on and, there. And so, you know? and so that's and so that's why it's my anchovies because like he's doing it in the news report, but it but he just does he just makes it do the regular magnet. He doesn't make it like pick up and push the anvil across the room or something. 
Yeah. It, he just picks up the anvil and then drops it on, immediately on his foot. Which, like, originally, when it dropped, it wasn't anywhere near him. Right. And then all of a sudden, it was on his foot. Yeah, I was kind of wondering about that, too, when I saw it. I was like, wait a minute. How did how did it get there? He didn't, like, scream in pain or anything? Yeah, like... Yeah. <laughs> it was for the bit, yeah. It was for the, <laughs> the joke of, oh, he's so emotional about it. And he's like, emotional? I've got an anvil on my toe. Also, I didn't realize how much metal, apparently, it Irmo's costume was made out of. Oh yeah, I know. It's very it looks a whole lot more metallic than it did like in that game. <laughs> I mean it's as a as a recovering cosplayer, that doesn't look anything like metal. Uh yeah, I don't really have a lot of anchovies for this one. I'm, I'm I, good. I I just I really didn't like how it's it like it was so crazy of an idea to everybody that Irma got powers. Like in this world where they're running around with the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles fighting aliens and robots. Well, don't they reference Bugman anyway? And well, they do. And they and they reference Bugman. Like Irma specifically says, like, hey, I'm a superhero like Bugman. Like maybe I got powers like Bugman, Mm -hmm. which was kind of a neat callback. Um, But it's like, yeah, like you guys have met somebody who literally has the same kind of origin story as what is happening to Irma right now. And you guys are all being jerks to her. It's that just like that's one sense. of my least favorite things in media is like. And Irma's never like Irma's never had an issue like where she lies to people like so it's not like it's not even a, a boy who cried wolf situation. So it's like, why, why are you guys all of a sudden now not believing her when it's like you, you encounter very similar things on the regular? Yeah. Doesn't make a lot of sense. All right. Are we ready for things we liked about these episodes? Is there anything? Uh, no, I don't have anything else. I'm good to talk about what we loved. Oh, I love being a turtle. All right. Rock around the block. I know we hate woo wee. Uh-huh. But I do kind of enjoy the fact that for once, finally, Splinter's teaching them a lesson in the beginning. It comes back at the end. What's often happened is Splinter starts with a lesson. And then April calls and they forget everything. Yeah. <laughs> like, um, this one, they at least use what he was trying to teach. Even if it was a stupid lesson with a dumb name, they use that at the end. You know? Yeah. No, fair enough. I mean, I, I'd even say it still felt like come full circle because what did they really learn from it? I, I have no idea. Right. But it's a lesson that never comes back up either. So, yeah. <laughs> but it, it happened. Uh, also, rock monsters are cool, even if they're cliche. Uh, I don't know. Just a giant rock monster that he made with the, the rockalyzer. It, it was fun. It's kind of like the giant ice monster that happened a few episodes ago, but. And giant monsters are always cool. Yeah. That's all I got. Yeah, yeah. So me too. Not a lot. Yeah. You know, you don't have anything, uh, Mike? <laughs> nope. Okay. Uh next episode. Yeah, number two. Krangenstein lives. So I I did like Shredder. I did like some parts of Shredder's like amnesia. Mm-hmm. Like some of like the the bit where he removes his mask and then like oh match the rest of my outfit like 
a lot of James Avery's delivery during that scene or during that bit was really funny. Yeah. No, like when him also just talking about like, I don't know why, but I abhor the idea of work. And the guy tells him, like, oh, you'll be in charge. And he's like, okay, now we're talking. You know, <laughs> I'll hear you out. You know, kind of thing. He just like, I don't know, has these parts that are intact of his personality that are apparently still there, even though he has amnesia. Uh, it, like that whole bit is kind of funny that he's just, it's almost just like it is his nature and he can't change it kind of thing. Even if he loses his memory, he is evil which i think contradicts another memory loss episode where he lost his memory before but i could be wrong uh i can't keep them all straight so but i don't think this was the first time he lost his memory i'm pretty sure he said it before well i mean there's cowbunga shredhead but well that one he didn't lose his memory though he got like michelangelo's memories implanted in his head i mean he became michelangelo he became michelangelo yeah um but yeah that was that was the bit that i like with this one yeah, no, it was pretty funny. Even if that side plot was very unnecessary and kind of just made this whole thing that much more complicated, it was it had its funny moments. I thought it was cool to see Krang's robot in action. That too. Like, like we so rarely see it. Yeah, we got to see it quite a bit in these past couple episodes. And I, I always like being able to see it, I don't know, turn its hands into things and actually do something. Yeah. Uh because usually he just sits in the technodrome with it. We moving on to Super Irma. The best episode of the bunch. Heck it was. yeah, we are. Yeah. This one was fun. Yeah. Super uh, Irma was definitely the most fun of the three. Um it's just it, it was fun to see Irma, you know, doing her thing. And she wasn't incompetent. And it's like if the turtles had instead of trying to like shut her down the entire time, if they like offered to train her or like, hey, like you know, hey, Irma, you've got these cool powers. Let's show you, like, let's help you out, you know, mm-hmm. instead of immediately, like, telling her she can't do it. I think Irma would have done a great job. I mean, she does put herself at risk a lot, and there's, like, plenty of moments where they have to bail her out after she nearly, uh... But that's what know. I mean. That's what I mean. Like, if they if they had offered to train her... Yeah, cause she, they, cause... like, save her, then they just, like, walk away. Yeah, because yeah, like, there yeah. was also, like, there was there was when she goes immediately to go find like those, um, those bank robbers and she stops two of them, but she just doesn't look behind her. And it's like, okay, well then teach her to look behind her. But all Raph says is like, you almost got clobbered. And it's like, okay, well you're not giving her any context. Like what did she miss here? Mm-hmm. I do. Like I'm, I'm, I'm sticking, like... I'm sticking up for my girl here. You know, she, I think she definitely could have become as popular and as powerful as Buckman. I do like that she goes like straight Casey Jones immediately. Oh, She's absolutely. Like, yeah. absolutely. Come on, lawbreakers. <laughs> oh, that would have been so funny for right. like Casey to show up and be like, who is this girl? Right. And then, like have him fall in love with her. Like my man Vernon did. How he just all of a sudden becomes a big Irma stand. Yeah, that's right. I forgot that was in that. Yeah. He's like, he's, he's like super into her. Yeah. Oh, he's like he's super into Super Irma. But she's just like, I love the perks. And yeah, then she's well, like, perks, yeah, what but... perks? And she's, you know, Vernon comes in with coffee and donuts for her, and she's like, these ones. But he specifically yeah. says, like, I love strong women. It's like, yeah. <laughs> me too, buddy. But then he immediately goes back to like not caring about Irma afterwards. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Classic Vernon. 
Well, Mike, it sounds like you have some fanfic to write. Uh, don't assume that it hasn't already been written. <laughs> Perfect. All right. I won't be reading it on the show, however. Oh, you can okay. find you can find it on my AO3 account. Can we do a can we do a Ninja Turtle Power Hour after dark where we read Mike's <laughs> uh, <laughs> fanfic? <laughs> At the end of each chapter, just kind of <laughs> okay. So that brings. I was trying to figure out how I want to work in the episode. Um, <laughs> there's a okay. There's a uh, there's a two part joke on Twitter. Um, so I'm I'm heavily active on Twitter, uh, and so there was this um, trend. There was a there was a tweet that was going around and said like, "Who is your most um, hear me out character?" You know, and hear me out means like, let me tell you why this character is cute. We're keeping a PG here. Uh, and it's, it's just, it's just funny, like people admitting like what, what characters in fiction they find attractive. And uh, I said, big mama from rise. Eight legs. But, I get it. But yeah. And I specifically posted the picture of like spider <laughs> big mama. <laughs> Um, as part of the joke and there's a very popular account on Twitter called TMNT struggles uh, and their whole bit is that they are, they just make fun of, they don't really make fun of everybody. They kind of just call everybody out on like stupid, bad takes or like when they say stupid things about turtles and it's like, it's, it's just people in the turtles fandom and just calling mm -hmm. out all the, like, you know, all the cow boomer takes and stuff. So I got featured on there because I said Big Mama was hot. Nice. And I specific and I was like, TMT struggles, hear me out, please. And they were like, no. <laughs> and I was like, but she will call me Snoodly Muffin while we're canoodling. Snoodly canoodling. And that got <laughs> that got retweeted by struggles. So uh I don't know if struggles listens to the account. I know they follow us and they follow uh, me on Twitter. Um, but I just, that was funny. And I just could not not mention it because I'm nothing if self-deprecating. Well, speaking of things <laughs> with going that. on in the. All right. So I guess that's uh, it for these three episodes. Um, a lot of fun. Like they, they, they weren't terrible episodes. They were just kind of, kind of, Eh, except for Super Irma, which is a great episode. Yeah. I mean, it's really at a point, though, where that's kind of what I expect out of most of the 87 series episodes. All of them, really. Every single episode, I expect it just kind of be, eh. You know, sometimes there'll be, like, a one that's a little more fun than the others, like Super Irma was. Uh, but that's just kind of par for course for the series. All right. So, All right. news. Take us into the news, Keith. <laughs> This is April O'Neil of Channel 6. All right, so in the news this week, a uh, couple things, and I completely forgot all about them, but Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, The Last Ronin, The Lost Years, has released in your local comic book stores and on Comixology, so go pick that up. Uh, have you guys read it yet? I have. I have not. I picked it up this afternoon. haven't had a chance yet. Uh, I picked it up last night and I have not had a chance to read it as well. I'll probably read it either tonight or tomorrow. I know I'm definitely going to read it over the weekend if that is, uh, if time allows. But you know what was really annoying is that 
the book itself is like the last Ronin was like very big magazine style, mm-hmm. but this is normal comic book issue style. Yeah. Like size. So I just found that annoying. Oh, I don't mind it. Uh, I don't know. It's just me, but uh, I just, I can't put it on the shelf. Like I have Ronin. So that's, that's what annoys me. Yeah. Fair enough. Yeah, no, I I got it right on Wednesday because I realized I'd forgotten to put it on my poll list. So I wanted to make sure I got a copy uh, just so they didn't go out. They had like three covers there that weren't just like, they weren't the incentive ones. So they, you yeah. know, we had the cover price, which was had, really nice. Yeah, I got so the Kevin three, Eastman one. There's three covers and I think 27 uh, retailer exclusive covers. That's crazy. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it's not the 47 <laughs> from Last Ronin. Mm-hmm. that's true um but yeah like it's it's a lot um my comic book store sold out um which i was honestly surprised about um and then i was kind of making fun of the owner like what you knew this was you, you guys I, I literally told him i was like you guys sell out you guys sold out of every issue every time you ordered it the first time like for the first book yeah. why would you not order enough for the second book so I only got cover A. They they um they ordered some cover Bs because that was the one I really wanted was that Kevin Eastman cover. Yeah. Um so that one is coming in for me. Uh, yeah, I got A and B, which I'm not usually a guy who buys multiple of the same comics for the cover, but yeah, like some sometimes yeah. I'll do it um when it's a really cool cover. Um but most of the time I just stick to A. Um and then Kevin Eastman and uh Tom Waltz were signing a golden apple. I ditched work to go check that out i would have i i was so close to doing it <laughs> yeah I mean, you live in la which like or close there to la i should say you know it, i don't know so it was it was about 55 miles away from me um, oh goodness so and then it's so like because i live i live south of la in orange county yeah uh that was in glendale which is north of la okay uh, so that would have been at least like an hour and a half drive. Okay. Well, okay. Maybe maybe it's not that close. I don't know. Still, they're they're usually a lot closer to you than they well, ever yeah. to me out here in Utah. Yeah, and I mean it's it, like I said, like I'm I'm not complaining about it, but like yeah, if you live in Southern California, you know, you know that's not a fun drive. So uh, no, I, uh, I imagine it's not. But uh, so in kind of a lot of stuff about um last ronin coming out uh we got a friend of the show james whitbrook over at io9 had an exclusive interview with ben bishop um who's the artist on the book and they don't go into a whole lot of detail there's not a whole there's no spoilers in the review or in the interview and we posted it on our facebook yesterday um for everybody to check out uh he kind of goes into like uh, how he got involved and like what he's going for, like aesthetic wise, there's a cute picture of him, like young Ben Bishop with Raphael, like the costume Raphael from the, uh, like the theme parks a long time ago. Hmm. Um, but part of that reveal was uh, the four baby turtles uh, who in their like a lot older <laughs> versions yeah, yeah, he revealed how they look when they're older. The 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 first issue has them as babies. Yeah. Uh and so then we also have names for them now. You know, they're Yi, Moja, uh Odin, Odin and Uno. And Uno. 
which we learned from on Reddit. Someone put it all together to figure out how the names are all related. Yeah. So if you go into the TMNT subreddit, there's a discussion thread for the last run in the last years. Uh, Jester Goblin, who's one of the main people who post there, um, pointed out that Yi, Odin, Moya, and Uno all mean one in Chinese, Russian, Swahili, and uh, Spanish, um, you know, respectively. Yeah, so, so all, their, all their names are different words for one. Which is interesting. Uh, not sure how exactly that's going to play out in terms of, like, if there's any meaning behind them yet. But that just, that can't be a coincidence. So, um yeah. So that that's a lot. Um, so we haven't read Keith and I haven't read the issue yet. Spencer has. Um, if anybody's interested, we're probably not going to get to, we're not going to do it anytime soon. Cause we're kind of in the middle of 87 and Armageddon game with the main line. Um, mm-hmm. But we'll probably get to it sometime in the future. Cause it is worth talking about. Oh, for sure. No, like I, I mean, I read this first issue and it, it's really good. So you guys are in for a treat. I really liked it. Great emotional beats. Um, other big news. So there was an interview with Peter Laird done by comics. cartoonist Kayfabe. Cartoonist Kayfabe. Yeah, that's how you say their name. Yeah. Uh, so this is the comic book channel. Um, it's, it's two comic book artists, Ed and Jim. Um. I've I've watched them before. Um, it's been a while, but they uh, they've done an interview with Kevin Eastman in the past, um, a couple of years ago. But this one was notable because it is Peter Laird, uh, yeah. who is notoriously recurs- reclusive. Yeah, and honestly, like I mean, I don't think that we're bad interviewers on this podcast, but these guys did a really, really good job interviewing and talking to him. And you get to learn a lot about him and his background with turtles and his perspective on things. And it was done really, really well. Yeah. Like uh, it's, it's a fantastic interview. Um, yeah. He doesn't reveal a whole, like a whole lot of stuff that we already didn't know, but it's nice to hear him talk about uh, a lot of the, a lot of the early days with Mirage. Um, a lot of the work he's done outside of turtles with the Zarek foundation um, and then also like some of his older, um, when he would just do art for the local paper, um, a lot of that kind of life for Peter was really cool. Um, it was a little jarring because like, we haven't seen Peter, like a picture of Peter in five years. Um, so he's, he's, he's getting old. He's, he's not, I think he's only 65, mm-hmm. 68. Um, he's not old, but it's, but you can tell like, you know, he, he, he's, he's getting over there. Um, but what was, what was, what I really liked about it, that interview was like, he, he, uh, the host pointed out like, Hey, like they, this was the first like real modern interview with Peter. Um, he's like, you can't really find anything on YouTube or like, there's no audio stuff. So this is like the first video interview with Peter. Yeah. Um, that's recorded, which I thought was really interesting and really cool because, uh, Peter specifically, uh, contacted them and asked mm-hmm. to do the interview. Mm. Yeah, that was the other it, thing I learned. Bodes well. Yeah, yeah, so so it seems that like Peter, which I mean, which is good because like Peter, um, I don't know how technically savvy he is, but it's like it's so much easier for um, creators to collaborate now, like in you know this digital world that we live in. You know, you can get on, you can get on a Zoom call. Like we do, 
you know, the three of us are across the country, mm-hmm. you know, and we talk every week over, over the internet. And it's like, creators can do that too now. And he specifically mentions like Kevin is in California and Peter's over in Maine. And it's like, um, but they, but he throws it out there that like, he'd love to work on a book with Peter, uh, with Kevin again, you know, if the stars aligned kind of thing, um, maybe they do do it, a turtles book, you know, just for, just for fun. Maybe he does get, you know, get together with Jim and finish volume four. Yeah. Um, like, cause that was the other thing he was saying is that like, he has ideas for volume four. He didn't say that he was going to, he just said it was a possibility. Yeah. Cause I know a while back when we said that like, you know, cause Mirage studios or, you know, was, was closing down kind of thing. And so yeah. everyone was like the Mirage group was. And so like, we were kind of like, Oh man. Yeah. I guess that means it. Then the final nails in the coffin, but apparently that's not the case. Like he, if Jim Lawson's willing and everything else, like he still might do volume four, according to him, which I mean, I already accepted that it wasn't going to happen. And now there's a chance that it's going to happen again. And, and I, I don't know how to feel about it, but he also like, he also, like specifically mentions, um, uh, he also specifically mentions that like, um, they might, collect volume four like he throws it out there that like oh yeah it hasn't been collected yet yeah um so it's it seems like he definitely wants to i think he's been retired for um you know a little over 10 years now from turtles you know so maybe maybe he is getting a little little restless and wants to do something fun um maybe you know one last big uh turtles book you know for himself because that was the other interesting thing that he talked about is Cause it seems like he even got burnt out on like illustrating and doing art. And he talked about how he was the guy that always had like a notepad with him. So he'd be ready to yeah. sketch something. And now well, he's kind of not become that guy for a while, but now he wants to be that guy again. I think they, uh, I think they, I think they mentioned it in the interview, like how it, he, I can't remember if they said it in there, like very specific, like they called him like George Lucas or something, or maybe I'd, I, I know I call him George Lucas where he kind of like, you know, he, he ran the franchise, you know, by himself Yeah. when all he really wanted to do was create. And it's like, as soon as he got the chance to get away from that and kind of go off and do his own thing, he took it. Yeah. And there's nothing wrong with that. Like, you know, he, mm-hmm. you know, he made it, he made his money and he, he was happy with it. And he reached a point where he just didn't want to do it anymore. Yeah. No, I mean, well, I, I don't play him at all. But anyway, it's a great interview. Like, honestly, I'd, I'd highly recommend going and checking it out. Yeah. Uh, don't so just take our words for the tidbits. Yeah. So that's a cartoonist kayfabe over on uh, YouTube. Uh, definitely check that out. We'll, I'll, I should post a link to that. Yeah. And even though it's a YouTube, like you can pretty much just, you could just plug it into your car and listen to it on your drive. Like the interview, like it's. Yeah. Well, don't watch, not it. watch it while you're driving. Well, you don't, you don't have to watch. Like I'm saying, you can just listen to it because it's mostly audio. You don't really have a whole lot to look at. Yeah. Uh, it's, yeah. He's not, he's like, said, he's not revealing anything. Like there's no, there's no like new art or anything that he's showing off or anything. Yeah. Like um, you're just listening to him talk. So honestly, like, if talk. it's one of those things where you're like, I don't have time. Like if you're someone that listens to audiobooks or podcasts like ours, you know, you probably have time that you could listen to it. It's pretty cool. Just saying. And rounding up the news this week, uh, Rise of the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles has been voted the lowest rated Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles cartoon on IMDb. 
I don't think this was news because that show got review bombed already, but yeah, it's, I mean, we know people don't like it. What I thought was funny though, is that like a lot of the reaction on Twitter, uh, specifically because Twitter is very rise friendly. Um, a lot of people have been saying like, Oh, like, well, look at this animation and tell me that this is the worst. And some of the reactions that I've seen have been, you guys keep posting pictures, like animation of the finale post something else. And it's like, you know what? That's a good point. You know, a lot of the rise fandom really kind of like, they always talk about the animation and like, that's the best part of rise. And that really is the best part of rise. Um, but I, personally and then someone else was like okay bad and they posted some like of the good character beats with like splinter and stuff um mm. and donatello and and raf but that was something i just wanted to i just wanted to focus on like yeah rise gets dunked on a lot you know some parts are deservedly so um but yeah that, that wasn't surprising to me but it was trending so i figured just throw it in the news yeah uh, I mean, for me, like I've seen people talk about telling me it's the worst adaptation. Uh, I don't know. We kind of already talked about it a bit before this episode started. But when when you're talking about something adapting like a source or original material, yeah, Rice doesn't really do that. And, and, and it's okay. It can be its own thing. But it, I wouldn't call it an adaptation or not at least a very accurate or good adaptation as far as well, like it's, it's in, an in adaptation. how much it's adapted. Well, we, yeah. And so we were talking about like we were talking about the like what is an adaptation? What does an adaptation mean when you call it that? And it's like, it's an adaptation in that it is a cartoon that stars, you know, four teenage brothers who are turtles, their rat dad and their human friend. Like that we've talked about before that in essence is Ninja Turtles. I mean, I don't know to me, if you abstract it that much though, like you start losing what that's not abstracted. That's that's diluting it to its core. Okay. There you go. Dilute. I mean, it's like, it's diluting it though. Like, and that's not, that's not the, I don't know. There's more, there's more to the core than that. Like you've just whittled too much out of it is what's happened. it, It doesn't because like you can, you can tell all kinds of stories with just with that element. I mean, you like can. Turtles, is, Turtles isn't just City at War. It isn't just uh, Return to New York. It isn't just, you know, the Technodrome. It, like, because a lot, because we know a lot of the biggest stuff that people remember about Turtles doesn't come from the comics. So it's the saying that, like, the comics are the source material is true because it was the original, but that's not where most of the content came from. So it's like, that's that's why that's why i say like the four brothers their dad and april like that's the core that you need for ninja turtles because everything else you can do from there is all that's that's where you start to get into like the individual styles and stuff i i my opinion like what really actually found the core is idw with their comics like by by kind of taking the you know, the original comics with IDW's, I mean, not with IDW, but with like the 87 kind of series as well as the Archie comics and even adding the things that the 03 series pretty much added on to Mirage in a way. But right. But that's all, but that's all flavoring your base, but it, which it is still of, at its core four brothers that are turtles, their rat dad and their human friend. I don't know. I think you've just whittled too much out of it when you, when you do that. 
it's kind of like being like oh yeah like we we need to talk about how they're teenagers and it's like that's never been like a main focus of ninja turtles that's not an important part of it yes it's in the title but like in when you read teen titans usually the important part isn't that they're teens well, it's no, it is more that, of the that is, extraordinary that very, stuff that they do no that very much is the the point of teen titans like they're the young heroes that's specifically why they're called the teen titans well yeah they're the young heroes but like like they're doing they're doing stuff that like the adults won't do or can't do or you know because the adults you know look down on them like yeah the teenage part is it, it's originally it's played for goof like for goofs because you know x-men were teenagers and so that's really the only reason why like the turtles are teenagers but that's because that's the first word in the name you, you're stuck with it you know you kind of have to run with it now and i, I not, just don't think you, know, you do i think if you want to adapt something as you, but, but, as it, but what it was originally in its concepts you don't but, have but to that focus that hard on too. it that i mean but that also was in their concept they were dumb teenage kids in mirage as well you know they were always you know raf was making jokes about wanting to drink and stuff and it's like raf you can't drink you're a teenager well yeah i mean there's, there's a little bit of it but it's not like but that's but that's so you're acting core you're acting of it like that that's, everyone focuses like on. that's the folk you well that's what i'm saying you're acting like the, that's the focus of all the other stuff and it's really not like 2012 it's, 2012 and rise like they act young but it's like they act young for that era you know they're not acting like it, it like it's not the focus is that they're teenagers it's just they're just they're just canonically that age so make them act that age i just think know? that they have a greater emphasis on it than they've ever tried to before and they always like talk about it and you've got like with the current movie and interviews being like oh man yeah we really need to focus well, the more current... on the teenage aspect well and, like, I mean, every that's... single version talks about that and that one hasn't come out yet so we don't know yeah so we don't but... we don't know we don't know what the, what's going on with that one but 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 it's one of those things that people keep saying, and it's just like the teenage aspect was never that important. I mean, not important to you, but it was. But it was always it was always there. I, it's know? not really like at the forefront of the storytelling, though. And it's not at the forefront of the other storytelling either. The only one that it's at the forefront of that we know of is going to be Mutant Mayhem because they specifically said that. Yeah. But like Rise, isn't really always about them being teenagers. Huh. like they just that's just the age group that they act it's not like oh we have teenager problems like they don't they don't do that so it's i get what you're i get what you're saying but i don't think it's as bad of an issue as you think it is yeah i don't know but what in was any case, the news we were talking about again <laughs> I, I totally you're still forgot. here yeah i know i've been listening hey anyway. uh, you know, we were talking about we were talking about how uh rise is the lowest rated uh animated show it the is the tweet i saw spit the, like, huh? is this like it's a from imbd it's, 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 it's imdb bombed be by yeah. people who hated it it is what it is it's just because it got review bombed and yeah no other um, series and it, did. it's just i don't know i don't know if they just finally checked on it and then all of a sudden it was um what's the score uh 5.4 i think yeah that's higher than i expected honestly well and, and that's the thing is like the tweet i saw specifically said um it is the worst uh uh it is the worst reviewed 
Ninja Turtle show, which is not true. That is still next mutation. But anyway, the thing is, is it was made after review bombing became a thing. It was review bombed. Uh, that's that's kind of all there really is to it. What a stupid you know, world to live in that we invented a whole way of people to review things. And then it's just completely abused, you know? <laughs> yeah. 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 But I mean, ultimately, that's why reviews are silly. Like, you know, we, we review 87 every week. We, we review the comics and stuff. And it's like, I hope we stress that, like, this is just our opinions. Like, we're, we, the only, things that we talk about factually are like things that are actually like said and like shown in stuff. Yeah. But like, if you like whatever we don't like or vice versa, like that's fine. <laughs> yeah. No, I mean, we just like talking about it. So we started doing we just, this. We're just here to talk about turtles. Uh, speaking of, if you ever want to talk to us about turtles, uh, let us know somewhere on the internet, hit us up at Ninja Turtle PH Ninja Turtle power hour on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. Uh, let tell a friend about the show, uh, pass us along. Uh, we are still looking for, uh, if you guys want to let us know what you thought of the 2003 show, which is going to be turning 20 years old next month. Uh, let us know. You can email us. I think the day this episode goes up, uh, I said the 30th on Monday, but I'll do it the 31st when this episode comes out. So, uh, hit us up. Uh, you can hit us up on, uh, any of the socials or email us at Ninja Turtle power hour at gmail.com. Uh, and yeah, guys, we love you. Thank you. Speaking yeah. of, what are we doing next week, Spencer? Next week, we will be doing our 2003 retrospective because uh, it's going to be turning 20. I'm pretty excited. I am too. I love this. I'm series. feeling impossibly old, though, because I was like in high school when that show came out, and now it's 20 years old. Holy cow. Yeah. Yeah, it doesn't seem like it was that long ago for me either. I'm an adult now too, apparently. <laughs> Sucks. Yeah, it does. Well, that's it this week. Thank you again so much for listening. And until next time, cowabunga dudes. Cowabunga. Superma! time inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Oh, uh, it got grating after a while. After like the fourth time, I was like, okay, that's enough. <laughs> I love, I, lo- I I was hoping that it was going to be, that it was the same clip over and over, but it wasn't. It very much sounded like it was. It very much sounded yeah. like it, but it was a little different every time. Yeah. So. She got it down. The voice actress got it down.
All right, so we're just doing the first episode, first three episodes. I think we're doing like what we did for 2012, right? Yeah, we're doing like what we did for 2012, where we just kind of talk about the whole series and review. Okay. Yeah. Still doing the three second time around, uh, or no? We don't usually do that, do we? No, no. I mean, Mike, if you do want like a suggestion of very specific arcs that I think are important, I can give them to you. If you want like the specifically the ones that adapted Mirage or yeah, me- the Battle message, Nexus ones. Message me some good episodes that I should watch that that will convince me that this is the best show. All right. I mean, I don't know if it'll convince you it's the best show because I don't think anything can, but <laughs> the Battle Nexus yeah. arc, fantastic. Battle Nexus. Uh, if you have the other ground. Yeah, message message me these uh, in the group. No. We'll do. Nano is the first. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> yeah, Nan- like everyone I talk to, like Nano is the episode that makes or breaks it. That like, uh, that's it that's is. the episode I consistently say. It's so weird. At. People hate it because I I like that episode. It's I, I so bad. Do. It's good. It's horrendous. It's great. Okay, but let's promise not to spend the entire hour talking about one episode next week. Yes, we we also <laughs> talk about Nano, but. I don't know, like, it has that whole theme of, like, when, like, of, of, like, having, like, how bad parenting can affect a child and how a child doesn't really know much and they come into the but world. But it's got a guy that talks like this the entire episode. I, I don't know. I don't really care. I guess I don't mind. I guess maybe the, because I grew up watching four kids, terrible voice acting doesn't bother That's true. me as much. <laughs> That's true. All right. That's I'm going to off. All right. Take care, y'all. See you guys take care. See ya. See ya. Let's see the here. IMDb has Rise of the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles as the worst rated Ninja Turtles cartoon. The original tweet says the worst rated Ninja Turtles series, but uh, last mutation or next mutation still takes takes that. Oh. Well, you know, they got to generate those clicks. There, there's a whole group of people that really love Rise of the Teenage Mutant Turtles that will get angry at seeing that, you know, someone said that. Oh, I mean, they, they uh, did. Exactly. They did. It, it, was, it worked. Just tweeted it. Uh, I am I am going to be fair and partial, impartial when I uh, bring that up in the news. Yeah. Well, I mean, the thing is, is like, I don't know. We, we can, I guess, talk about it then as well. Um. The thing is, my opinion is like someone like mentioned, like you like look me in the eyes and tell me this isn't, you know, tell me this is the worst adaptation of Ninja Turtles. And I'm kind of like, well, as far as adaptations go, like if it's supposed to be adapting previous material, yeah, like it doesn't do it that well. But it, well, I mean, it's still, (laughs) it still adapts certain things fine. Yeah. It it doesn't, it it just, it doesn't adapt. It, this is what I hate about like, it doesn't adapt the source material. It's like the only one that really ever did was 2003 and only yes. for like a few episodes. Really. Uh, no, it's the more majority than that. of 2003 is not based on Mirage. Oh, uh, there's there's a lot of it that the is the majority of 2003. Is I don't know. It, it adapts City at War. Yeah, it adapts Return to New York. It adapts like the Stockman story. It adapts the Renette story. It adapts, like, it literally, like, adapts all of, like, canon volume one of Mirage. So, like, it adapts but that's, as much but that's as you what could I'm, But adapt. that's what I'm saying is, like... And on top of that, adds more. Why... So, so we've already got it. Why do we need more? Why do we need to cover that same ground? Because well, 2012 I, yeah. did it right after. Well, yeah, and I, and I agree with you there. Like, I, in my opinion, 
like that's 2003 why... is the adaptation of the mirage comics but there are people out there that they need to kill people for it to be a proper adaptation that that's that's what's required and see, like and so that's and that but that's part of why i like i like rise so much is because like it doesn't cover that same stuff we just literally got twice and a third time if you count idw yes but it makes it not an adaptation that's it makes saying. it an adaptation of the universe because what it really is is a modernization of 87. i guess kind of i mean it, what it adapts is season five of the 2003 series <laughs> <laughs> truth <laughs> well. yeah, i've gotten further into that underworld event from dc clear back in the 90s oh, and yeah, man, like, what what was what was fate going through in the 90s like he just got super nine-to-fied oh did you like, get to the the like where he's got like the daggers on him and stuff he's, he's got like well he's he's supposed to be like the replacement for nabu and he's got like an onk tattooed over his eye he doesn't even yes. wear like there's no helm he's just very 80s <laughs> I know there's I have, one issue that's a part of Underworld that I, I'm kind of tempted to read the whole series just because it seems like such a weird departure. I have no idea what, what is up with that. I do own that comic, that first one, though. For, huh. for whatever reason, I, I think I found it in a dollar bin or something. I was like, this is just ridiculous enough for me to own. So. Yeah. No, I mean, like, it's it, I'm interested. Like, don't get me wrong. But at the same time, I'm kind of like, what did you, you guys do to fate? <laughs> yeah i don't know fate he's not even called dr fate anymore he's just called fate now and then he seems to be crossing over a lot with uh alan scott green lantern but during the time when he was calling himself sentinel for some reason which i imagine was probably in like some sort of editorial thing to like keep people from being confused that's what my guess is about you know green lantern and who's green lantern but maybe i don't know if they ever gave him a story reason for calling himself sentinel like you know i know that he called himself that and i don't know why yeah like he shows up in kyle rayner's green lantern run like short like right before zero hour and calls himself sentinel then he doesn't say why and then he shows up in yeah this series calling himself sentinel too so i'm kind of waiting to see i don't i'm trying to figure out where he would have changed his name to sentinel you know i'm that's because he's appeared in earlier issues of fate i'm kind of tempted to like go back and just read all of it since it's only like 20 ish issues somewhere on there i like this the part i'm reading at is at 13 so i'm like if i go back and just kind of read it maybe maybe he'll say why he's calling himself sentinel now i don't know they are reprinting an old jsa run from 92 currently on there they're not reprinting it but they're at least uploading it onto dc yeah universe infinite so the so. jeff johns run no but from before that okay. jeff johns was like 99 so this okay. is like a 92 right after they like pulled them out of whatever the limbo or whatever they were supposed to be stuck in was so wikipedia just says to distinguish alan scott from hal jordan his superhero code name was for a time changed to sentinel so i i think you're right it was just editorial yeah, but I, I don't know. Just, I just want a story reason for why he's calling himself Sentinel. That's it. I want a story reason for why he dressed up like a big lantern that even had like a handle in the back. I don't know if you've seen that costume. It's ridiculous. I have not seen that costume. <laughs> Are you talking about the, I don't know if it has the handle. Are you talking about like the the Kingdom Come look? Or it's no. called like armor? No, it's not a Kingdom Come look. It was like, it was very late and like right before the reboot for the new 52. He was wearing this. He it was like white 
cloth sleeves and like like a like a white leotard, right? But then you just look like he put like a Green Lantern like lantern mm. over him. <laughs> it was <clears throat> strange. It was the strangest costume. Huh. Uh so I cut out like right at the beginning. I said could be a reference to Cerebus, and you said yes, and then you were gone. Got it. Like okay. literally like the first thing you said. <laughs> okay. Ready? Yep, yep. 